Craft Beer Radio, episode 392, on August 27th, 2016. So welcome to Craft Beer Radio. There you go. Are we going to sing the hits again? No, I, and I kind of messed it up because I didn't, didn't quite know what, uh, what tune I was at. But anyway, welcome to Craft Beer Radio. So we have five, six, six beers six, in front of us. Whole beers Four bottles this time. That's new. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get a lot of bottles anymore. Uh, so, tell me about these beers, Jeff. These why, beers, why most become... of the beers are beers that you've supplied. Uh, these, these ones all came from the grocery store, and this one you brought back from New England. Yes. Let's start with the schmaltz. The schmaltz. Schmaltz, schmaltz. So, schmaltz has a slingshot here. This is American Craft Lager, they say at 5.3% alcohol by volume. The malts that are used are specialty two-row caramel pills, rye, Vienna, wheat, and flaked oats. Did you catch all that? No. I'm sorry. I, I heard rye, flaked oats, Vienna. Specialty two-row caramel pills. All right. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Rye. Right. Mm-hmm, that's interesting for a lager. Vienna, wheat, and flaked oats. A lot of malt bill on here. Based on what's there, so I expected a little bit of spiciness, uh, more uh, caramelly, sort of caramel, sort of tending to be toffee mm-hmm. uh, character, and then a little bit of uh, a, a body and mouthfeel that will probably be not be reminiscent so much of a lager with, with the wheat and the flaked oats in there. Hops with uh, Warrior, Cascade, Zots, Citra, Amarillo, and Crystal. What? <laughs> so, not, not quite sure how this is going to... This is gonna probably have. Wow, I, I mean, with yeah. the with Zots and Amarillo and Citra, yeah, that's and crazy, crazy. Warrior, yeah. It's called Slingshot, and you know they like having biblical type themes, so it's about David and Goliath. Mm-hmm. And they talk about the, uh, the on the website. I don't know if it's on there that the Six Pointed Brewer Star or Sheriff Star, if you're a. <laughs> <laughs> So they call it a session double IPA. I think that's why I picked it up, right? Uh, okay. Because it, it's a session double IPA. I wouldn't have picked it first if I knew that. I just saw American Craft Lager. I'm like, that's no. I'm sorry, like that's the Wishbone. Start. I'm oh, sorry, that's okay. an advertisement for the Wishbone. Oh. Oh, okay. A session double IPA. Now, Slingshot is American Craft Lager. Um, it doesn't smell. I mean, you can catch a little bit of hoppy. They're kind of a little bit. Um, like melon rind or something like that, but really the aroma is pretty subdued in this guy. I think that you're smelling um, kind of the Pilsner malts and maybe a little bit of the rye. It's a little spicy on the nose. Yeah, so it's kind of a... As it warms, I'm getting kind of a lemongrass off of it as well. And the color is kind of bronzish. Yeah, just like a slight, almost Pacific Northwest like uh, hopping on the aroma. The flavor has good balance to it. Yeah. The malt comes out first and leads for most of the drink. It um, it's pretty interesting. I'll take another sip here to kind of put some flavors to the mouthfeel and flavor. Definitely get that there's rye in there, particularly when you know. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, you can feel the, the way the rye is, is kind of giving it a spice and a little bit of sort of a buckwheat kind of turn. Um, yeah, it kind of gives it a little bit of a, a dry, spicy dustiness or mm-hmm. something to it. The wheat and the flaked oats are not super apparent. Um, I imagine it's just sort of a, a slight body thing. Um, just in terms of, they, mm-hmm. probably they, they played with this recipe a lot to get to get it like they wanted. Uh, this is what worked the best. The, the what's coming to my mind mostly is almost a Vienna lager um, with a little bit of extra kind of spiciness. Yeah, I mean it. It's hard for me to classify it in the Vienna lager type family with rye because rye mm-hmm. is a flavor that is so not in. Yeah. Vienna lagers, Oktoberfest, things like that, right? So the rye spiciness kind of makes me feel more like the Pilsner family or something like that, where you kind of get a little bit more dry malt, not as caramelly. 
a little bit more spiciness from like the Zot's hops and stuff like that. See, the rye is kind of playing in yeah. that ballpark for me. Yeah, I feel like though that like I I put like a mile marker under the Vienna Lager because I can taste the sort of the Vienna malt and sort of with that, and then seeing where this deviates helps me sort of understand it more. But that could be that may not be how you do it. First couple of sips, I was going to say that even though they put in this very complicated hop uh, profile in the ingredients, hop ingredients in it, uh, it was still a malt forward beer. But as I'm drinking this, I'm kind of getting this kind of tangerine um, session IPA type hop flavor yeah. on it, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's a little more bitter and not as juicy, you know, like how a session IPA yes, can come yes. across. And it's kind of, yeah, tangerine is kind of the fl- the, the through flavor that I'm picking up off of. Tangerine, it. I like... Uh little rindy too like a little bit of a grapefruit sort of rindy mm-hmm. bit. so yeah you can imagine sort of squeezing a tangerine and coming out and then some of that juice is collected maybe some of that is is cooked a little bit so that it feels even more strong okay. uh that strongness is probably coming from the amarillo and warrior in there giving a yeah. little bit of that bitterness um it's it's definitely interesting it's it's, it's one of the more Interesting lagers that I've had uh, in terms of trying to. I mean, yeah, again, the hops are Warrior, Czech Zots, Cascade, Citra, Amarillo, and Crystal. Mm-hmm. And you can pick. I think as I'm drinking it, you know, I think the the Amar- Warrior is almost certainly just bittering hops, and then the Amarillo. I'm getting a little bit more flavors that are kind of a little more dingy on mm-hmm. the citrus fruit, and then that big tangerine flavor is probably from the Citra. The you know the cascade is just kind of playing a, a supporter, I think. Right with the zots, you know, it's kind of just giving an extra mm-hmm. slight fruitiness, and the zots giving an extra yeah. slight spiciness. Yeah. Um, crystal, interesting. I, I couldn't say where that's really going. Yeah, it's uh, definitely an interesting beer. It's pretty drinkable. It's definitely you know, on the session scale, fla- at least flavor wise. You know, it's over five percent, but it it kind of feels like they call it a the perfect session beer is what this is their marketing speak for it. I mean, to me, alcohol wise, it's not sessionable in terms of the character of the beer. I also wouldn't consider it session because it doesn't have that just sort of juice without a lot of malt to back it up, right? I mean, if you, okay. I feel a decent amount of malt here that's that's playing a lot with you, and and the mouthfeel itself is is. Um, not like a session ale. So I don't know if it, I would really call it, I mean, even under the new definition of sessionable, mm-hmm. I don't think it fits. I think American Craft Lager fits, right? I yes. Mean, I don't think that trying to, I, I understand. I use uh, my own bench posts, benchmarks, mm-hmm. you know, pegged off of styles to help talk people into something. Um, so I'm not faulting you for saying Vienna Lager, but you know, don't get it in your head that this is very close to one. This is kind of its own thing. Mm-hmm. It has a, that super complex malt bill, super complex yeah. hop ingredient list, and it it it's it's a unique flavor, I think. Yeah, I I, I do think, like I said, it's one of the more unique and interesting uh, lagers um, that I've had. It's not been like a direct two style attempt at a lager, right? This is trying to do something different. And I think it succeeds. I guess we go on to, before we get into things a little bit heavier, let's do the Summer Bright. There's also the Goza, and there's... Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure which, which way you want to go. Yeah, I want to do the Summer Bright next. All right. Breckenridge gives us Summer Bright Ale. It is 15 IBU, 4.5% alcohol by volume. Uh, Turo and Munich Malt combined with... The Pacific Northwest's most intriguing hops. Ooh, intriguing. What does that mean? It means they don't want to tell you. Does it mean they just put Cascade and Amarillo in it? I Pretty mean... much. <laughs> not, not Amarillo. I'd say Cascade, Centennial. Chinook, maybe? I don't know. Let's, uh... Alright, so... 4.5... It says what orange and lemon peels added to it. Oh, it does. They did not tell me this. That's what the label says. Malt beverage with orange and lemon peel. White rate, white wheat to row pale and Munich malt. So it's I think it's essentially like a session IPA, right? It's probably what they're going for. I don't know. Let's let's just judge it. Uh the color is yellowish, sort of a Yellow Pilsner like. Yeah, the aroma, the lemoniness is pretty big. So, 
I know it doesn't say juice added, but from the nose, it smells kind of shandy-like to me. You know, there's a pretty big lemon zest, lemon aroma on this. That might be just the wheat. Okay. Giving some extra... Because the wheat can tend to give sort of a lemongrass. Mm-hmm. Well, but it does have lemon peel as well. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, for me, when I smell it, I'm like, if I was blind, if this was last week, I would have thought, oh, this is a shandy. Flavor doesn't carry through with a bunch of lemonade, mm. lemonade, uh, lemonade or anything like that. Definitely a more malty. You definitely uh, get the lemon peel. You get the lemon oil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely more malty. Kind of has kind of a biscuitiness to it. You know, something along the lines of uh, some Munich malt, uh, the wheat, pale malt things. You know, that would kind of be what the grain bill tastes like to me. Yeah, another one with an interesting, interesting malt character. More interesting than I expected. Uh, based, you know, the other one I expected was an interesting malt character, despite what they were telling me. This one, uh, you know, white wheat, two row pale Munich malt. Um, it manages to be a what, like a um, English muffin? Yeah, that works. The oil, the lemon oil, definitely comes through more than the hops. Almost, I mean, the hops were there as sort of a. I I would say, you know, it's it, it's kind of an orange like thing, but the lemon oil is really taking over in terms of the fruit character. What else is in here? Uh, orange peels and lemon peels. It's more it's more lemon than orange peel. I guess you, if you look hard, you can find something that's sort of like bergamot like. Oh yeah, yeah. So those may remember that uh, Breckenridge Brewery is part of Anheuser Busch's high end uh, division now. That happened at the end of last year, before the new thing took took over. In which case, Anheuser Busch now can no longer buy any craft breweries without uh, DOJ approval. DOJ approval. So that's not happening. So I just found this article because so I wanted to make sure I had my facts straight. It just came out the other day. Uh, Breckenridge Brewery owner opens up about life under Anheuser Busch. I'm not going to try to read this and parse it on the fly, but it's on the Denver Business Journal, and. Uh, I will bookmark it, and if it's interesting, we'll talk about it in the future. I doubt there's anything in there caustic, mm-hmm. or else we would have heard about it. Yeah. Like X. Yeah. <laughs> Breckenridge right. Hunter. Opens up about his former life <laughs> under. <laughs> there's been a lot of news lately about the... Um, uh, Bourbon County recall and people getting like hundreds of dollars in refunds. So they refunded like almost all. They, they don't know exactly what percentage. They didn't say what percentage, but like all of the proprietors, all of the. There's four different kinds of. Two of them, every bottle was recalled. And then two other ones, it was like on many run dates. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had this in the neck labels back. I just saw an article in um, Chicago. Um, What's the Chicago newspaper called? Um, so you can get your money even if you if you already drank it. Yeah, yeah. They didn't want the bottles back. They just went on the neck level. So um, Josh Noel, Noel, Noel um, just kind of did a live tasting of the soured beers, whether they were still worth drinking or not. And like the first one was eh, okay, and then like some of them were like awful, awful. Mm-hmm. So really spoiled, not just like slightly spoiled. In a sense, it's. Um... It's good they had Danager Bush money because most craft brewers would not be able to manage that kind of recall and, and give people their money back for that sort of thing. Yeah. It's hard to say. There was a... Yeah. There's a I, lot of that. Yeah, there's a lot of future... You don't want to poison the well, right? Mm-hmm. You want to keep those... You want to keep that hype up. So you want to do right by your most rabid fans, the ones who line up, you know, for right. Bourbon County days and... They buy, you know, spends hundreds of dollars on beer. So it was the right thing to do, especially if the beer was that spoiled. They must have sucked for them, though. I guess they probably they probably have a bunch and they open them once a month and just to make sure nothing crazy is going on. Yeah. Right? But it hasn't, like, but for, like, the regular Bourbon County, it was like there was a list of run dates. And I think there was gaps in the run date that were not recalled. So, like, maybe they were run off different tanks or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, it was a Brett. Uh, infection mm. and you know brett and imperial stouts don't 
necessarily play well together, and these ones didn't. It's possible someone could find a Brett that does, but... Well, beer yeah. also was, isn't formulated to be sour. Yeah. You know, it's supposed to be a big, juicy, strong, sweet, mm-hmm. candy-like imperial stout. Makes you wonder if Anheuser-Busch does any of the sort of testing for their new craft stuff that, that they did for the Budweiser. I'm like sure breweries who are part of Anheuser-Busch have more resources for lab equipment, yeah. better quality control. I mean, who was I talking to? Someone was talking about getting a cast off from it. Like they were, I don't know if it was Elysian somewhere. I saw, I, don't, I can't remember. I was either talking to somebody mm-hmm. or I read something, but you know, they were getting cast off equipment from AB and it was like, you know, mass spectrometers and stuff like that, which they would have never had. Wow. So, uh, wow, would you mass spectrometer or, or ga- uh, gas chromatography there you or go. Okay, you know, something like that, something like that, right? <laughs> you know, one of those scientific yeah. analysis type machines. All right, let's uh, let's do the goes with them. We'll, we'll say we'll have the hefe as a palate cleanser before we get into the hoppier things. So, uh, Jason sent us this one. This is the old pro from Union. He wanted to know if there was more beers left from his Maryland show. I guess he didn't really remember exactly what he sent us. He thought he sent us this one. Yes. We have a couple more in the fridge. You'll get those sprinkled in as well. Old pro. A dash of salt, a touch of tart, they say on the label. 4.2% alcohol by volume. Really gone low to start with, right? I mean, 5, 4.5, mm-hmm. 4.2. Uh, 10 IBU. Malts that are used are wheat, pills, and acidulated wheat. Um, or just acidulated malt. I'm not sure which way that goes. Uh, they add salt and coriander seed as adjuncts. They use lactobacillus and German ale yeast. No malt, uh, no hops that are explained here. I like the bottom. It was canned on the 13th of June, or the 43rd of June. Depends on how you want to read that. And it says, open other end. <laughs> be hard to open this end. But possible. And you can see the, the divot in there from where the, the 12, it's a 12, number 12. Mm. 643. 16. <laughs> 43rd of June. <laughs> okay, so the color is uh, even more pale than the last one, but it's but more um, pretty clear. Pretty clear. Pretty clear, but not perfectly clear. Yeah. And the aroma, you get that wheat, you get a little bit of tanginess in the nose. Yeah, pretty much what you'd expect for a goza. More yogurty than than other gozas that I've smelled recently. Okay. Pretty big tartness. I mean, really the tartness is the first thing you get. And it kind of plows through the flavor. So that, I think that big yogurty stuff that I was noticing was... More lacto than mm-hmm. um, than I'm used to. Yeah, I mean, if you like sour things, I like sour things. This is a good one. But mm-hmm. it that first sip, hopefully I get calibrated, because that first sip was sour from start to finish. In general, you'd expect to get calibrated. And hopefully I get calibrated and can pull out more nuance, because that first sip kind of just frizzed out all my taste buds. <laughs> well, speaking of um, getting calibrated, I don't know... <laughs> It's a it's a bad transition. Um, you so, can get your gas chromatography yeah. equipment at Amazon, but not at Amazon.com, at craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. That's right. It will take you right to Amazon where you can then buy your gas chromatography. Mass spectrometer, Mass whatever you want. Wow, yeah. If you, please do buy your Lasers. very expensive equipment through craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon because we will get 6%. Oscilloscopes. Um, atom smashers. Do they have particle accelerators? Uh, they might have like out. small hadron colliders. I mean, t- technically, any CRT is a particle accelerator, so they yeah. do. Small hadron collider, hadron collider. I mean, oh, a small. Hadron yes, <laughs> yes. The SHC the tabletop version. <laughs> the home edition. The home edition. Find your own Higgs boson. I suppose if you took two helium tanks or hydrogen tanks and emptied that, at, you'd have a small hadron collider. <laughs> um, wouldn't be very effective in terms of its energy. It wouldn't be very interesting. No. <laughs> so yeah, graphbury.com slash episode.
Yeah, so we've got our science nerd out in the commercial. I like it. <laughs> All right, yeah, so this is the Old Pro from Union. Big Sour Goza. It, it is kind of just a big sour goes. It, it doesn't really give you much more than that, but it's not really a t- saying it will. Um, right. I mean, I like big sour goes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is one of the beers where, you know, sometimes it seems like when we can go on and on and on about a beer, it means the beer is amazing. And oftentimes it is. Mm-hmm. There's other times there's beers we enjoy perfectly well where we're kind of befuddled about things to say. Because I think we've kind of... It kind of <laughs> says it on the tin, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not lying to you. Yeah. Uh, I suppose it would be saying a touch of tart is a little bit misleading because it's got more than a touch. Um, but it's, yeah, it, it's a it, it's a good goza. You, you won't well. be disappointed right. that it's not sour enough. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone will say this isn't sour enough. I think there will be people that find this too sour. Yeah, and if you really dislike um, like the lactose or yogurt stuff, you might not appreciate this because there's definitely a mm-hmm. that character through it but i think it's bright enough that um that isn't an issue for me the saltiness you know it's right in line right mm-hmm. it doesn't come out as salty tasting it doesn't taste like drinking seawater this kind of gives mm-hmm. you that extra yeah. uh vividness it doesn't have that flavor. mineral water quality that we had in like that seawater goes i remember yeah so yeah. um which i thought was very interesting but not neither here nor there it just doesn't mm-hmm. have that quality it just it, it's sort of a Probably a fresh, um, probably not, probably not table saw because it didn't have iodine in it, I imagine. But um, you know, just fresh, uh, fresh salt, mm-hmm. non-iodized. You don't think they used pink Himalayan rock salt? Don't think they did, because uh, you'd taste a little bit of a rusty taste. But your ions would be in you'd your chi. Lots of great iron. <laughs> All right, so this is the beer you bought back from New England. Yes, we did the other, uh, the other one, right? The other night shift. This is Firth, a Heffa in a can, five point five percent alcohol by volume. Um, no other information about it. Trying to agitate the can to get some yeasty deliciousness into our glasses. It's a pounder can, so we get eight whole ounces each. Here, let me top you off with some cloudiness. The color is a, uh, yeah, it looks like a heifer. You know, the the color is bronzish with a a touch of gold in there. It's got a nice fluffy head. Less than a month old. It was bottled on June 29th. Or, I'm sorry, July 29th. Lots of bubble gum coming through right off the top. Some uh, very, like, uh, underripe banana. Remember one of the, I don't know if I, I think I told this story. When I was in Austin, hanging out with Rubio from the Beerists, uh, one of the Austin breweries makes a fantastic Hefeweizen. So one of the best American Hefes I've ever had is Live Oak. And they can it in 12-ounce cans. Mm-hmm. They recommend that you store. We had the, it on the show. Yes, yeah. they recommend you store the cans upside down. And I'm one. I think you know, just so you can ease, more easily rouse the yeast with uh, this with the dome and this little ring around it. You know, it might be hard to get all the uh, yeast out of that ring. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So they the, where the top is much flatter. So they suggest. So what I think what they said they've been doing is in their six packs they use the cardboard like all around six pack holder. They'll put the cans in upside down. So even though the labeling at the convenience store is right, mm-hmm. the cans are actually sitting upside down. I thought it would be clever if they had the labels printed upside down on the cans. <laughs> that would be clever. But it would be confusing to people. <laughs> it really would. I can't open this. You would need the open other end signature yeah. label that the union has. <laughs> Maybe that's why. Maybe they they were playing around with it, but they never got around to it. But they were playing around with flipping their labels on that. <laughs> this is the first from Night Shift. Night Shift is located in where? Boston. Uh, Everett, Massachusetts. That's right. That's what I was gonna say. I have no idea where Everett is, though. Neither no. do I. Zero zip zilch. 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, big bubblegum on the aroma. Touch of banana. Blessed among the world, Not too many, at least at this current temperature, not too many phenols, not too much peppery, spicy cloviness coming off the nose. It's all the estuary. Mm-hmm. It's bananas and bubblegum. Cloves in there in the flavor. Mm-hmm. You're right. Um, nice creaminess to it. Yeah, it has a pretty full... big departure from a goza. So I tried to <laughs> train my tongue to to uh, adapt to the situation. It, it, it's a it's a jump. Yeah, so it has a yeah, it's really creamy. It almost has this kind of like ice cream type mouthfeel to mm-hmm. it. It's not the the bubbles are very smooth. They're not prickly. And that also could be because the last beer was so prickly that yeah. calibration just on mouthfeel alone. But it, it has this really thick cream type mouthfeel. And then the flavor starts off with a nice wheat. And the creaminess kind of plays with the wheat, right? It's, it's almost like um, like a soup or something, you know, where you have kind of like a cream soup. You know, I didn't want to say cream corn because corn has too many other connotations to it. But, you know, it's kind of like this creamed wheat soup type Mouthfeel, flavor. Um, There's a nice, like, almost creme brulee undertone to the malt. Like, like it's, it's sort of like you. a vanilla pudding, but with a little bit of char on it. Right? So it I got you. I got you on that. That's. I think maybe that's where I was trying to go, and I was just too afraid to go there. You know, calling this like a dessert-type flavoring. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think you're right. And then, you know... The the malt flavor is significant. It, it's yeah. more than half of the the first thing mm-hmm. you notice. It goes into like the two thirds mark of the flavor taste, you know, the experience. And then after that, that's when the esters start coming out and some of that cloviness as well. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think to me, what I'm picturing is like literally a bananas foster without much of the rum flavor. But you know, bananas foster is essentially it's 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 cooked rum and uh, and butter and um, brown sugar. With bananas, and then lit on fire for for presentation purposes only. Really doesn't do anything else. But uh, and then with vanilla ice cream, mm-hmm. and you can get like the vanilla is in there, right? Uh, vanilla and bananas go well together because they're basically the same vanillin, essentially. Okay. Different versions of vanillin, uh, and a little bit of that of the sweetness from the sugar goes with it too. Uh, the alcohol, obviously, uh, doesn't really have a sugar cane so much mm-hmm. rum thing right. going on, but the rest. Stuff, the stuff is there, and maybe a little bit of some sort of honey to give it a little bit extra um, fruitiness on some sort of estuary crop. It's a good story. I like that. I mean, this does have that dessert type character to it. This is, uh, well, I would not say you know it's necessarily a classic Hefeweizen. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good yeah. beverage. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very pleased with it. Yeah, would would it would it rank high in a if you did a pure by the numbers? Uh, it might do fairly it well. It might do fairly well, but I don't know whether it would, you know, whether the exacting standards would hit it well. But it's very good. I think it's um, very drinkable. And I can have a couple of these too. I think you're right. right. Yeah. I mean, I would like to try this side by side with some of my favorites. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Snyder Vice, or... Snyder Weiss, Live Oak, Franza Sconer. You know, and just see how they compare yeah. to the classics because I think. That I prefer the classic, you know, something a little drier and not as sweet, and then also a little peppery right. for, for me. But I'm not sure. If I did them side by side, I might have to change my opinion on what I prefer. Well, let me put it this way. I really, really, really like the slingshot. Would I think that's better than the, a Trumer Pills if I had that? I mean, there's something wonderful about hitting the exact right notes and being simple and, and precise. Mm-hmm. Um I probably would go for the tumor pills over, but so I probably would might go. I might go for the more standard Heffa over this one. But I mean, my, my kind of the point of that whole line of, of phrasing was that I think I would too, but I'm really not sure. I'm questioning myself, mm-hmm. and I would have to have like a classic beside this guy to to really know mm-hmm. yeah, if I, I like I this version better. Because I would say no. I like the classics are classic for a reason. Mm-hmm. But until I do them like side by side, I'm not going to really pass final judgment. It's true. You don't, you don't really know. This, this is a good one. If you, if you see this, you won't be disappointed. 
the Firth from Night Shift Brewing. Hmm. We got a lot of it too because we had a whole pounder can. <laughs> yeah, got eight ounces each. All right, Flying Monkeys. Flying Monkeys is from Canada. I thought they were Canadian. Yeah, they're imported by the Esper Beverage Company in Canton, Ohio. They're from their website seems to have sound. I'm, I, I muted the tab. I wonder if it's still making sound. Let's see. Here. <laughs> no, Barry. Let, I don't know. I'm, I'm not up, so I don't know. Uh, here. Ooh. Yes. Let's just let the. This will enhance the beer. Okay. I'm sure. We got the monkeys screaming in the trees. So this is. Six percent alcohol by volume, thirty-five IBU. There's a message under the cap for you. <laughs> Hi! With an exclamation point. Hi. Hi. So, um, I don't. <laughs> my 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 expectations. You know, you got the the thing under the cap. You got the monkeys. This is there. Nether, Netherworld is the name of the beer. It's starting to sound like a beer marketing company to me. This is a Cascadian dark ale. Uh, the malts we use are Pale Malt, Munton's Crystal 240. I turned down the sound a little bit here. Uh, Thomas Fawcett Brown Malt and Munton, Munton's Chocolate Malt. Okay, so using all English malts. The hops that are used are Columbus for bittering, late hopped with Cascade, and dry hopped with Cascade. That sounds like a woodpecker, not a monkey. I guess it's just a general jungle thing, huh? Yeah. So we've had uh, them on the show once before. I paid way too much for a fancy bear that came in a box, and it was not good. So I'm crossing my fingers and giving them a chance here to redeem themselves. Big, dark, black, right? That's just black. And it's got... Uh... Oh, there's highlights through it. It's, it's, it's kind of a ruby, dark ruby, brown, tar... It's got about two fingers of a fluffy head, which makes me a little nervous. The aroma. So, work out a little bit of that CO2. Once I got the zingy out of my nose, I'm, I'm getting some... So, Cascadian Dark Ale. Black IPA. Right? I've heard Cascadian Dark used a few times. 21st, 21st Amendment likes using... The, um, or Sean... Appreciate well, I mean, you can have a dark yeah, a dark IPA that's not Cascade based, so that's well. I think Cascadian is more the Cascade mountain range region, the ah, okay. hops from that region type thing. But this does use Cascade almost entirely for flavor. So there's a chocolate like uh, so on the nose. Once I got past the CO2, the CO2 is giving the beer aroma a bit of an astringency, uh, and I was. Almost a little sharpness that I was worried about an infection, but it, when I wasn't agitating the beer, excuse me, when I wasn't agitating the beer, I'm getting this much more chocolate. Either it's a dark roast malt or almost as much as if chocolate was added. Kind of like Tootsie Roll, actually. I'm going to read this marketing speak on the back just because I find it, I don't know, I don't know what to say about it. Oh. Boo! I just, I just. I'm sorry. You read your marketing. I took a sip. It tastes like a beer made with table sugar. Oh really? Oh, that's not good. It's thin. It's fizz. It's kind of whiny, cidery. There's some roast malts. It's not really hoppy at all. <laughs> <laughs> they went over on the showcase. Showcase showdown, huh? What do you think? Am I wrong? It's like super roasty. Like it feels like there's a huge amount of roasted, like almost like overdone with the roasty, uh, giving a large amount of astringency. What were what were your complaints about it? It just. It has such a thin body. It tastes like it was fermented out with table sugar. It tastes like a bad homebrew. It tastes it doesn't have any good balance to it. It's not hoppy. It's just astringency and thin. It, it is basically just astringent and thin. Uh, I'm not noticing any like any major issues with it, right? I'm not. 
No, it's not. It's not necessarily dirty or, or broken. It's just not good to start with. So let's read the stuff on the back here. Heating a chorus of voices crying for a dark, roasty thing with lots of West Coast hops and a higher ABV. Six percent is the ABV on this. Yeah. Um, West Coast hops leave cascade. <laughs> we summoned netherworld from the chaotic flip side of the brew house where hybrid is the norm and nothing is ordinary the chaotic side of the brew house essentially means uh they put all their dark stuff in here all their um crystal and chocolate malt and faucet brown malt i guess they just had it left over hovering just this side of evil i don't know what that means hovering just this side of evil but okay uh, in the right hands, our Cascadian Dark Ale is bizarrely nice with its own entrancing mojo. However, watch out for those who refuse to see the darkness, like Jeff. <laughs> so I figured, I don't know, unless Greg really likes this thing and wants to drink the whole thing. We have another flying monkey in the fridge. I want to give them a, another chance, if you agree with, it, with me that this beer is not really worth drinking. I think it's okay. I think it's worth okay. drinking. I don't think it's gonna be. It's gonna. But I, I'll try the other one though. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that just tastes like a beer from like 1992. It does. It tastes like an old, you know, not not very well worked through beer. Not not very well. Um. Well, you know what it tastes like? It tastes like a beer from a brewery that just kind of joined the. This just shit stuff out. Yeah. I mean, it's not an infected piece of shit, so that that's something. But yeah, we, we've had beers, we've had breweries that just have not been able to to get beer without infections to us. So, right. all right, so let's try this other flying monkey that you picked up. This is Smash Bomb Atomic IPA. All right, hold on, let me uh, keep this out on and see what the other if there's other sounds for the other one. I'd be surprised if they're different, but Smash. if they are, they've gone the extra mile. Well, they're they're clearly. I mean, we'll taste this, but it seems like they're putting all their stuff into marketing, as opposed to. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. So this is like. <laughs> oh, it's Atomic Falloutville, huh? After the Armageddon. So another six percent knocked by volume, seventy-two IBUs. The malts for here are pale malt. Wireman's Munich Type 2, Wireman's Melanoidin Malt, and Great Western Crystal 60. Uh, the hops, <laughs> Citra, Citra, and more Citra, dry hopped. Okay, so the cap says more than high. It says, I've decided not to have kids. The kids are taking <laughs> it pretty hard. Wah, wah, wah. Is that a Rodney Dangerfield joke? All right, so the row on this one is not displeasing. Just put out of the fridge. While Greg was reading the marketing speak, I ran into the other room to grab the beer. He did a very good job stalling. Oh, I like the stereo in this, how the whoop whoop whoops are going left and right. Right. They actually have on here, I guess it's label requirement in Canada, 14.3 degree Play-Doh. Why would that be a label requirement? How do you know it's a requirement? Or... Because why else would you put it on the friggin' label? And nothing else? Well, where do you see that? I see 6%. I see 12 Right after the description. Oh, it's in the all caps text? Mm-hmm. I'm looking in the wrong place. It does have the importer. Or this one doesn't have the importer's label on it like the other one did. Yeah. Uh, Underworld has that clear label on the side saying imported by... Cerveza Especial de Canada right in that line. Oh, it's in there. Maybe only French Canadians <laughs> require the Play-Doh. Maybe. But it looks like it's required, right? I mean, why else would that be there and nothing else? Yeah. It's in the CYA part of the label. <laughs> Let me add this to the notes before we... Uh... All right, the aroma on this one. Yes, much better beer, in my opinion. Just by aroma. Yeah, well, we'll see. But it's, I have stuff to talk about now, other than, you know, unflattering things. 
has a kind of a Hold on. I gotta turn on the sound. I can't handle the left, right, blippity blips. <laughs> that, that was just too distracting. Man, that, I'm still distracted from that because I still got like that after pressure in my ears of. Well, you keep me up. I'll, I'll take off the the uh, just in case I need the soundboard. All right. This one has a kind of a more multi, maybe like a uh, a muffin. Yeah, kind of think of think like. Uh, orange muffin or something like that, or muffin that might have some marmalade on it, or, oh, sure, it or yeah, something yeah. like that. So it definitely has like that raisin bread muffin type mm-hmm. flavor, but then the hops are coming across really orangey. <laughs> they same as the last one, just with citra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the flavor. The, the had a kind of a juicy, sweet m- aroma, but the mouthfeel is again pretty thin. Not nearly as thin as the last one, but still pretty thin. The bitterness lingers; like it doesn't have enough body to kind of balance the bitterness. It's also cold too; it's right out of the yeah. fridge. But um, so that could be a reason why I'm not tasting anything else besides really just what I tasted before with a slightly different hop. You have another Amazon commercial while we warm it up. Uh, okay, <laughs> let me get a different song for that. <laughs> we should just do the exact same thing we did the first time. <laughs> All right, we're up. We're up. So. <laughs> Remember this one? Yeah. yeah okay. Dun, dun. So yeah, if you well, you're, to... if you're if you're like waiting for your beer to warm up, because <laughs> you just pulled out of the fridge and you have your Spiegel glass there and you're wrapping your hands around your Spiegel glass trying to put some heat and pump some heat into that beer, and you're like, you know what? I got a third hand. Nothing better to do, so I'm gonna. People have third hands. You never seen those people? No. Not trust me. Okay. And they go on craftyradio.com/slash/amazon and they buy stuff with the third hand. That that must be a very tiny percentage of the population. <laughs> it is. It is. But it's remarkable when they do. Okay. And uh, that, that's all I'm saying. It's, it's remarkable. It's worth remarking about. And uh, that would be what remarkable means. Yeah. Yes. I'm with you. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> now our beer is warm. Okay, the aroma's opening up a little bit more, right? I'm getting kind of a little more nuanced. I'm getting kind of mm-hmm. a little more uh, vegetable, you know, like kind of a, a green. Um, it's not piney. It's it's kind of like almost like a little bit of like a fresh hop, wet hop type, type aroma, right? It's a little bit grassy. It's a little bit... Um, Lupulin-y, right? Getting a little bit of that uh, aroma that's kind of just kind of like a... How do I want to describe that word? So you put to like a fresh lupulin type aroma. I like scratchy because that, that, that fits. It, it's a little little resiny, but not resin like... Yeah, you take your oranges, but make it a little more scratchy. Yeah. A little more um, gritty. Gritty. Actually, you know, the flavors opened up a lot on this thing. Mm-hmm. The malt follows through more, getting kind of... Um, yeah, this isn't bad. Yeah, it starts out with... I lost the, the muffin part. I'm kind of more like biscuit, like, you know, English biscuit type cracker type thing. Um, cookie, like a, a shortcake, hard, hard, you know, hard cookie. Um, and then it kind of goes into a little donut at the end, like glazed donut. And then the hops are... Uh, mostly orange. Well, it's citrus, citrus, more citrus, right? So, you know, yeah. orange tangerine type hop profile. So thank you, Flying Monkey. You actually redeemed yourself. One for three. But well, hey. well, I'm saying if if this beer was another drain pour, yeah. I was n- not going to have Flying Monkey on the show for a very for a long while, time. Yeah. yeah, this is... I wouldn't say it's fantastic, but it's serviceable, right? It's doable. Yeah, it's not cutting edge of mm-hmm. you know, North American ipa but it's fine. It's good. It's got a nice uh, maltiness to to cover for it, so that, that's mm-hmm. nice to be We like our IPAs to have a little bit of, of malt, especially when they're this typically hopped, I think. Right. Uh, going for something with a little bit more of a malt there is, is nice. All right, last beer, 
2016 Hoptimum. From Sierra Nevada. Hopefully we didn't keep this beer in the fridge for too long. It's been kind of on the, the to-dos for a bit now. So, I use an ale yeast. Uh, bittering hops are German Magnum for bittering. Interesting. Finishing hop, Chinook, Simcoe, an experimental variety that they're not telling me about. So I expect it to be a resiny phase two. Malts that I used are two-row Munich and wheat. Ten point four percent alcohol oh, volume. Is that it? Sessionable. As long as you take two sessions and combine them into one, <laughs> it fits by the two session. And half, two and a half. Well, if you divide it in here, yeah. You get 5.2, 5. and then which that, you just complained which, about earlier. Well, so. yeah, but I'm saying like that fits the definition of a sessionable. Oh, definition. Right? The, the, the second phase of sessionable. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's no clever slogan under the cap on this one, so I'm not sure if it's going to be well, any good. Uh, and their website doesn't have sounds, so I mean, what's the point? Let's just skip. <laughs> uh, IBUs a hundred, so think eighty, and then anything after that is really uh, degree. <laughs> it's not really. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, give we talked about this before, but it gives you kind of we, we should a we guide. should we should because we haven't talked about the, the main thing about it for a while. Mm-hmm. But essentially, the taste buds, the standard human taste buds, can taste about up to eighty IBUs, can differentiate easy, easily about up to eighty IBUs, and after that, it really just becomes just slightly more bitter by degree. Uh, like if you have the highest IBU beer at 130 versus 110, you're really not. Well, it's not going to taste more bitter, but I mean, for people that taste and kind of have benchmarks in their own palate, you know, they, a one or a hundred IBU beer has characteristics. Yeah. Right. So it's not just the IBUs. A hundred IBU beer is typically going to be. Higher in alcohol, you know, it's going to be eight percent or mm-hmm. up. It's going to have a very hoppy character, like kind of this saturated hop character. So, while they're saying calculated IBUs, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things you can infer from that number. Yes, there is. Um, it's kind of a unification in some sense, right? Knowing a little bit about one ingredient or one under one level of uh, one piece of knowledge, fact about the beer, will give you some knowledge about what the rest of the beer is going to be like to some yeah, extent. Yeah, because there's, there is a general formula, a general mm-hmm. playbook, that for a beer to be yeah. this high and palatable, it's going to come along right. with these other things. Right. There's correlations. I mean, if, if you have a, an alcohol, a beer that's, you know, the, the most, the one I can think about that, that's the most easy for people to understand is that if it has a very high alcohol level, it's going to tend to have a lot of malty characteristics. Uh, because in order to get that high alcohol level, you have to have the sugars that will turn to alcohol in there. And mm-hmm. so you're going to get more, uh, at least more of a malty stuff. It doesn't mean there won't be a very hoppy beer. It does mean that you'll be able to, to right. taste the malt. All right. So this is the Hoptimum 2016. So this is a bronze, right? I mean, this is. Yeah. Bronze or copper almost. The aroma, the hops are... Copper, like a penny. Yeah, Hops are the lead thing. They're kind of a dank hop. You know, they're kind of like... um... Well, so the finishing hops, I don't know if you were listening. uh, Because you're pouring beer, you're not Mm -hmm. totally paying attention. Uh, Chinook, Simcoe, and Experimental Variety. Schnook, okay, so, so yeah, Dankville, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, Schnook typically gives you piney, and then Simcoe gives you that the the more dankle. You know, think like it's that piney. Think like moist jungle and mm. sulfury things, and then who knows what experimental is going to give yeah, you? Yeah, Simcoe tends to be oniony. Uh, think uh, think mm-hmm. Dorado, or or double Simcoe if you have right. to. And then what's well, over ten percent alcohol by volume? So if you really stick your nose in there, you get a lot of alcohol vaporization you know kind of uh, it's not really boozy like an imperial stout or barley one would be but you can definitely have this get this like kind of you can tell it's a big beer just from the nose that's interesting 10.4 percent the malts are two row pale munich and wheat that means they use a lot of two row pale oh, sure munich and wheat. Well, i mean yeah a lot of two row i mean yeah yeah that's that's you know that's all beer right i mean 
two rows. The it's just yeah, it's the base standard. It's just yeah. A, yeah. unless they use Pilsner or Marisalder as their base. Two rows is the vast majority of every beer you drink. Unless you drink one of the cheaper ones, we we get six row because right. Our listeners don't drink six row beers, not often. <laughs> they would know they would not put up with this boring stuff if they drank six row beers. I do. Could it, could somebody make an interesting beer out of six row? Sure, I mean you can. Two row has better characteristics for flavorful beer. I mean, sure you can make. Pilsner's classic American, a cap, classic American Pils, right. six row is almost required. Um, I would say that for for the style yeah. characteristics that it gives. I mean, if you were doing. Anderson Bush doesn't use, doesn't use two row, but they also use rice for most of their recipe. So it's, right. Yeah. Well, six row gives you a very high diastatic power. It does, it Explain has, that. well, I am. Uh, it has higher diastatic power than two row. And what that means is when you ferment or when you mash a beer with, with if you do all two row barley there's enough enzymes in the mash to convert all the sugars when you do a beer with an adjunct like corn or rice or maybe something that tastes good but you know an adjunct like that um the corn or rice don't bring the enzymes they have the starches but you have to get all your enzymes from the barley and they have to spread their way through the mash to convert all the starches. Uh, two row doesn't have as many enzymes in it as six row does. Mm. So six row lets you mash out a beer with more non-enzyme bringing adjuncts. That's that's what the diastatic power is. I see. And the enzymes essentially, well, they they create the malt, right? They they create. Uh, they the, take the starches and turn them into sugars. Yeah, which is the malt. So, well, no, no, this well, is after that. Right, the malt is, it, it is takes the cooked malt. sugar. Right. Sort of. You're using really broad strokes, yes. like you said in the pre-show. Um, the malting process takes... Again, I haven't studied this lately, so I want to make sure I use my terms right. But the, the starches are locked up in like kind of a, a matrix, and then the malting process gets those starches ready for use, right? That's how the, the seeds sprout, right? Right. So... It gets them ready for use, but they're still not fermentable sugars. They're starch chains at that point. And then when you, you have do to remember the, that starch chains are just long chains of sugars. Right. And then when you do the mash, when you hold a certain temperature, the enzymes cut those chains and make sugars. And like I said, the um, six row is more willing to help its friend who doesn't have um, mm. enzymes, right? Yes. Hey. You don't have enzymes? You're, that's cool. I got plenty here. Let me let me mash out your your starches for you. That As this is why when you cook starchy things, they can become very sweet because starches are long chains of sugars, and if you cook them, it's another way of denaturing the starches essentially, uh, and and turning those into mm-hmm. sugars, and the sugars will cook, and you get those melanoidins, the, those uh, uh, Maillard reactions. Mm-hmm. Sweet potato be a great example of that. Well, just potato, right? Any potato you cut it, yeah. you, you you toast it, and you get some sweet, at least a mm-hmm. sweet crust on it. Yeah. All right. So back to, <laughs> well, I don't even know what led us to two row versus six row. Oh, uh, we were just kind of joking about listeners of six or drinkers of six row wouldn't put up with this yeah. kind of detail. <laughs> yeah. And and oh, okay. So, but you said that. Why not? Why not? And yeah. I think it's because two row makes delicious beer, and six row it's much harder to make delicious beer with because two row just is a better product for making delicious beer. I could buy that based on the explanation we've had. Yeah, it makes mm-hmm. sense. It's not impossible mm-hmm. to do a six row, but it's a lot harder. Why? Why set yourself at that disadvantage? Sticky, hoppy. Yeah, it's a big multi beer, but the hops are still way out in mm-hmm. front, right? So when you drink it, it's not like hops in water. It's not just bitter juice. It has a big multi sweetness to it. Um, I think you said it has. Um, it definitely has some some German specialty malts in here. I think you said Vienna or something like that. Munich, something like that. Uh, Munich and yeah, two row pale Munich and wheat. Yeah, the Munich definitely gives it kind of more that bread crusty than mm-hmm. sweet caramelly type flavor, and it keeps 
because there's so much sugar and residual sweetness in the beer, I'm glad that they used the music because it keeps it from getting cloying. Because if they use a crystal, you know, I think the sweetness would just be amplified and be too much. What are you looking at? Trying to find a, a date. A bottling date, yeah. The best I can find is an embossed number, N230115. No, that's, that's, that's bottle production. Yeah. That has nothing to do with the beer. Yeah. Wouldn't think so, but... No, there's a release date for Hoptum. I'm sure you could find it. Uh, it comes out once a year. Oh, here we go. Packaged uh, April 19th, 2016. Yeah, I knew it wasn't super fresh, but, I mean, this beer, even though it's four months old... While it might not be as green and as bright as mm-hmm. as possible, still quite enjoyable. I like the hops on this thing. It kind of it's not as dank in the flavor mm-hmm. as it appeared on the nose. Um, I actually think I might probably I probably enjoy it more letting it sit. My personal mm-hmm. preference because I like the sweetness of the malt to combine with that with those dank hops this beer this being... beer is like a barley wine right yeah i mean we're drinking it it's really warm right now the mm-hmm. ir gun says that my beer is at 64 i would have guessed it was even warmer than that um it feels like i'm drinking it almost room temperature it's really open get a lot out of it and let me take another sip here and try to put some hop flavors into your ears Kind of like, um, you know, it, co- it it comes close to having almost like a mango thing. Um, it does yeah. there's it, it doesn't go into the passion fruit or anything like that, but it, it it the sweetness combined with the hops comes peril- perilously close to hitting tropical notes. Yeah, like if you take mango and maybe cut it with strawberry or something like that, right? It's a little more bitter than mango, you know, like not just not just the bitterness, yeah. but kind of the acidic bitterness, the acidicness of of the beer. It's kind of uh, if you yeah cut it with with strawberry or, and radish, right? Just to give it like a little bit of that, um, a little bit of that, just one little spicy little fleck of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe some blueberry or something like that. Just just uh, again, mangoes are are. Our mile marker, our bench post, and then let's walk it out from there. Right. And that's why, I yeah. But I extreme. don't know if blueberry hits me quite the right way. Um, I do like your strawberry, though. I think strawberry mm-hmm. fits more than blueberry. But yeah. hey, enough people will be like, "What's mm-hmm. the difference?" That <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Well, All right. Some well, ranking. Well, we had seven beers today. No, you had seven. I had seven. You had six. Six and a sip of. Whatever yeah. that was. <clears throat> All right. So from the bottom, that Netherworld from Flying Monkeys, that just tasted like a beer from like 1993. Wannabe. You know, again, like their website had sounds. They're, you know, it's like, I think they're more appeared about marketing the beer than yes, making great beer. For sure. That's what they're more concerned sure. about. And second to last place. That's a tough one. Um... Oh jeez! Oh jeez! Oh, I think I'm gonna put the fly, the other flying monkey. Actually, well, this one was this is the hard luck loser on the uh-huh. on the list. I'm gonna put the atomic or the Smash Bomb Atomic IPA. Uh, it was fine. It it wasn't um, didn't bring it as much as, as the other beers tonight. But it also wasn't. It was. It's the best flying monkey beer that I've had. It's passable. It's worth trying if the price is right um it had kind of that kind of um orangey and then um, biscuit type um and once we warmed it up it had you know a more fuller body but yeah i'm still gonna put that one in sixth place fifth place i think i'm gonna put i'm gonna put the old pro um fine goza Especially if you like things that are sour. Uh, it's in fifth place because it's kind of one note, one note sour. It was a fine sour, but, mm-hmm. you know, the beer in front of it, the Summer Bright, uh, you know, Breckenridge, it, it had a little more, had more nuance to it, right? It gave me more to think about. I enjoyed it. And even though I like the sour from the old pro, I'm going to put the, the Summer Bright in front of that. 
And now we're down to three. I'm gonna put the... I don't know, Greg. I don't know. I know. But you started already. I know. I gotta figure out where the Hoptiman falls. You know, I was like, of course it's the best beer, but now I'm thinking, like, that slingshot was really Ooh. interesting. Okay. And the Firth was pretty good, too. Top three. So the top three is a pretty tight thing. I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick the Hoptiman in third place. Um, it could have been first. Ended up third. I'm just trying to figure out how I cut it. And I think it's because the other two beers gave me some pretty neat things to think about. And this one was pretty much what I expected. And while what I expected was big hoppiness, big maltiness, big booziness, and it did all those things very well, I kind of like being surprised. Mm -hmm. And I think the other two beers gave me a little bit more surprise. So I'm going to rank a little bit higher. Going to put the Firth... In second place, uh, pretty good uh, Hefeweizen. It says on the label there, German-style Hefeweizen. I've never had a German one that has been so dessert-like. Mm-hmm. You know, when you said, when you pulled up Bananas Foster and the way you described it, I'm like, yes, I'm tasting the brown mm-hmm. sugar. I'm tasting the bananas. I'm tasting vanilla ice cream. I'm tasting, you know, all yeah. of that. It just went right into it. Um, that makes Slingshot number one. And that was just a fascinating unclassified beer this american craft lager yep. really complex malt bill a lot of complex hopping and when i drank it i didn't think it was going to win the night but i think you know just the way the things i'm shaking it out tonight i'm like that's a interesting beer and it came out on top it's a, what's it called the brazil night of nut effect you shake something yeah. around and the brazil nuts will rise to the top uh, even though if there's a bunch of different right. types of stuff. Anyway. Um, yeah, so my description, my, my rankings are so, somewhat similar. I put the Netherworld in last place, even though I, I, I was able to finish it. Uh, it wasn't that good. Uh, I just recognized that it wasn't that good and just finished it, really. But it wasn't. There, there was nothing wrong about it, right? There was nothing like... There was no oh, right. infection I mean, or anything. For me, it was yeah. not worth my sobriety, right? right. I just, I'm, like, I'm not going to drink this. I'm 40. I can make that choice for myself. You can. <laughs> no one's your boss anymore. That's right. I've reached the... the I'm over that hill. Uh, <laughs> uh, in sixth place, I'm going to put the Breckenridge. I, I just kind of found it kind of... Eh. I wasn't really all that enthused by it. Uh, I wasn't really all that enthused by the Smash Bomb either, but it, it, it was it was decent, right? I mean, it was it was drinkable. It, 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 it hit its marks. Uh, you know, citra, citra, citra. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. be too enthused about anything that goes like that. This IPA with just citra, like it, it's hard to go above a five or a four on a ranking if you're gonna do that. I don't know. I mean, if they're using that handicap playbook, right? They should be hitting home runs, right? They should be batting four fifty on, you know. And it was just kind of okay, you know. Yeah, so if yeah. you're using citra, it's like if you're using mosaic, it should you should be able to hit. You should be able to make a smash hit, right? Yeah. I, I don't know if Citra at this point qualifies to me as being able to, to make something awesome just because sure. of Citra. Uh, right. it's, yeah, it's not it's not up to Mosaic. and, and, and it, I, I think it, it's on the level of what Mosaic will be in three or four years where people it'll be played out. And, and, you know, you gotta, you gotta just Imagine what kind of narcotic hop will be available then. Oh, that's when the crack hop comes through. Okay, uh, fourth place, I am going to put the... Uh, the Union, the the Goza, which was, you know, a good Goza, uh, did exactly we said exactly what it says in the tin. Uh, goza that that gives you a Goza. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, nothing, nothing bad about it. Nothing like exceptional about it, but fine, good, and you know, I did qualified as a good yeah, Goza. A fine Goza is a good beer, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but but you're right that the, the top three kind of distinguish themselves. But I think you're also right that uh, the Sierra Nevada is in third place. Um, it, I mean, look, the other two were more interesting. The other two had more stuff to say. The other two were, were clearly uh, playing a different ball game, or, or at least, you know, their their intentions were were different than the Sierra Nevada. I think, um, whatever that exactly means, you can decide it for yourself. 
right. I'm going to put the Schmaltz in the second place and the Night Shift in first place. Just because I really like a good Heffa. And this was a good Heffa. And it's been a, it's been a while since I had a good Heffa, like a, a <laughs> one that I was really dug, and I dug it. I dug it a lot. You, you know what I just realized? It's interesting, right? Our, our top beer is the beer that you know we enjoyed the most tonight. It's not necessarily the beer I would recommend if you could just get one of to go order at the bar. You know, for like, if it, like out of the top three, the beer that people should try is probably the first, even though yeah, okay. I ranked the Slingshot the best, and I am sticking with ranking the Slingshot as my favorite. But I think the beer that people should try is the first. That that was my first number one. So I know, yeah. I know, but I, you know, just I realized this tonight that my ranking isn't necessarily my recommendation. No, your ranking is is how you. What you what you felt right? That's the mm-hmm. thing we've said it before. It, it, it bears repeating. It's a shtick we do. It, it, there's nothing necessarily that says that a number one beer is is worse than a number or is better than a number six beer, other than how we felt about it tonight. Right. So, take, but you could definitely imagine people are using our rankings as recommendations. I, I can I can certainly imagine it, and I wouldn't fault them for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. I do think that that like everything else, take what we say and take what we rank with a grain of salt, like the old pro does. Like the old, like the old pro does. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. If you want to contact us, you can contact us uh, with the Twitter at, at Jeff Bear. At CBR Greg. At Craft Beer Radio. If you want to use the email, it's at beer at craftbeerradio.com. If you want to use the email, in quotes. I'm putting articles in front of everything. I like it. It's like an old person. Well, you're 40. you got to start, like, the internet. and uh, I, I didn't my, my, my internet's When broken. I get my 40 card, I will. Like you're gonna get that soon too. So I know, I know. We'll talk about this in the post show, but it's like we were in our twenties when we started this stuff. Twenty nine, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and of course, that's how math works. But it's like you think, like, oh my god, what have I done with my life? You do. <laughs> I understand. I mean, that's how time works. 